Hello, everybody. This is Mike. Welcome back to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. I'm having a very special episode recording today. I am in person with my brother, Pete. Hey, what's up, Pete? What's going on? How you doing, man? Good to actually see a face. Good to see a face. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. It's water. We are, we are here drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> it was water at some point. This was. This is the stuff uh, we talk about all the time, but like... Honestly, we, we have these kind of conversations often where we kind of just delve into like the state of things and the state of the world and how it is, where we can make improvements and like, you know, just the philosophical meaning behind each and every one of those statements and thought processes that, you know what I'm saying, those these ideas involve. That being said, um, we're out here, meet Pete and our, our friend Porter, who's a dog, um, and we're trying to, you know, make the best out of this isolated uh, Thanksgiving, a holiday. We are social distancing. We are in an area where we're six feet away from each other, and we we're drinking out of our own glasses. So there's that. There's that. So Pete, we was talking a little bit about um so many different things. Like we this talk kind of started. I want to say around eleven a.m. or yeah, 12 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean that's how, that's always how it works, right? Yeah. I feel like some of this uh, some of this podcast started when we were young anyway, and we'd walk around and talk all day long. This is all we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But some somehow or other, we landed on uh, like what's what hope there is for what hope there is for 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 this for this country in terms of a reconciliation or a. Uh, I mean, politicians talk about coming together, like it's uh, they use it for. I mean that that's like that that's their. Um, uh, they they use that. That's their platform, right? We got to unite. We have to unite. Every every politician says that, and every stripe of every whatever. But but what does that mean? And is it possible? Well, for me, <clears throat> I've been noticing like the folks that keep pushing for that level of unity. Like we got to come together. Don't you understand? These politicians are driving us apart and separating us. I get this vibe that there is this kind of like the way that we come together is to no longer acknowledge the things that drew us apart in the first place, mm. even though they're still happening. Yeah. And there's a, like a push to silence the folks that are affected by these issues. And like a push from the other side of the folks saying like, the only way we're going to get over it is if we stop talking about it. Yeah. I mean, repression is easier than acknowledgement, right? Amen. Right. Repression is easier. It's just not right. It's not healthy, and I mean that's where we can we can even step away from moral right and wrong, mm-hmm. and and I, and even though I'm sure most of the listeners feel like the moral right would be acknowledgement, we can even step away from that if the other side doesn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. We could talk about the health of a position or a group of people holding a position. Like how how healthy is your position if your solution for unity is to walk away or to to leave behind, right? Talk to any. I'm sure any mental health practitioner, mental health care practitioner listening, psychologist, psychiatrist, whoever it is, I'm sure they'd have plenty to say about uh, unhealthy repression, right? Things left unacknowledged. And it, but and, and, and that's a great, that's a good point that you're making, that that's usually how the reconciliation conversation goes, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. it always go... Bygones be bygones. We're one country. Don't we have one goal? We need to have one. We're all American. Maybe we need to stop being African-American. Maybe we need to stop being this American and yep. just all be American. Yep. What does that entail, my friend? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's... The reason why the people who say that also 
are fearful of identity politics is because the idea that there are individuals invalidates any conversation about we the people, which is another thing that they cling to. How many times have, have you seen, have I seen on, on uh, social media pages of people who I know are that crowd, the let's all come together crowd, talking about we the people. I, I wrote something about this, actually, uh, years ago that I came across the other day looking because I needed to send a writing sample to somebody, actually, for a job interview. So uh, I came across this piece that I wrote years ago about we the people and how funny a statement that is. You know, that, that we the people is what that type of unity is built on. Mm -hmm. The ignore the past, you know, we, we are one, we need to be one. Uh, it is a complete denial of identity. And that's because as soon as you start focusing on, on, on individuals, now you have real problems to fix. <laughs> An individual has real, tangible problems. Individualized issues that can't just be like, Swept under the rug with a blanketed like um, attempt yes. at like nullifying conflict. Yes, exactly. And 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 the, the the conflict that an individual experiences will have specific, measurable successes or failures. So let's say so it's just you and me on the porch right now. Let's say there were fifteen of us, and even if we were all you know progressive, leftist, uh, you know, however we identify, uh, uh, you know, socially, politically, whatever it is. Let's assume we were all sim of similar mind. You could say that we all have the same problems, but you'd be speaking theoretically mm -hmm. because we do have problems that we'd all want to see fixed, but it would have varying realness to each of us. Word. Right? And is that like a like a catch-22? Is that like, like a, uh, what do I want to say, like a... A generalized push towards like you know all of us like is that the idea that we can kind of like shuffle ourselves into these these um categories of like particular issues and stuff like that that we face and then it kind of like generalize the the issue so it can get dissolved in its own right and not have to be addressed like as long as we all have similar issues but not the exact same issue it's mm. easy to muddy the water and kick up enough dust so nobody really gets to the meat I mean, isn't that the problem then of politics in general? Can there be a politics that doesn't rely on some muddying because we all have different experiences? Some muddying, I have, I, I have a suspicion that some of that muddying is necessary. Like a suspicion that um, some things need to be glossed over sometimes. That doesn't mean they need to be ignored forever. But sometimes one issue is more pressing than other issues. Sure. And if one issue is sometimes more pressing than other issues, that's acknowledging that there are other issues. However, right now we're going to focus on this one issue. And I think that that's been the success of really any sort of progressive movement in history. You know, you want to talk about child labor laws or you want to talk about, um, you know, the, the, the right to vote. You want to talk about, you know, women's suffrage or... or, or um, or universal suffrage, or whatever it is, that was the fight, and that, and and there were probably a million other fights. I know that you know a lot of suffrage was, uh, uh, see the birds agree. A lot, I know that a lot of suffrage <laughs> was, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of temperance movement stuff caught up in there. There was a lot of um, other race issues going on during the suffrage movement um, that invalidated some of the things that some of the leaders would talk about. But in the at the end of the day, the movement was about one thing. Now, when we talk about, to like, 
bring this around to the, the conversation about um, what unity looks like. Mm. I think that when you hear the politicians say things like, we need to move on, we need to all come together, we need to, we need to move past this, uh, they're recognizing that same truth, that there needs to be one issue... One issue is what unites, and it then and numerous issues, you know, so fragment. This is scary. This is scary because the saying that what these 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 dudes do ultimately in practice is let me galvanize the people behind one issue that might affect more uh, some of uh, more than others. But as long as I have them distracted by this issue, they're not thinking about the issues that actually affect them more severely or to a certain to more of an extent than this giant issue. We got immigrants coming in. We got to worry about them. Here they're coming. Um, yeah, but I, I wasn't able to get a job before there was... <laughs> so you're saying it wasn't, it wasn't about immigration? It wasn't about immigration? <laughs> what? That's confusing. We should all just unite. The, uh, that's, <laughs> that's, a good, that, that's a good question, though. That's a, that's a, that's a good, uh, good way to frame this. Um, yeah, I think that when you talk about uh, this is, I mean, this is just, it's just going to go in a direction that, uh, it's going to go where it goes, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, listeners, listeners should know that that's my whole, like philosophy is my whole intellectual, uh, pursuit and grounding. It's uh, yes, it's where my degrees are, but it's also what I still read at night. So, uh, you know, but <laughs> there's a difference, about it. Yeah, there's a difference between, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some of us overspent money on a degree that, that didn't do anything in the workforce, but did plenty intellectually. So I've got plenty of thoughts on that too. Uh, however, we'll we'll go in the other direction. Here's an inherent democratic problem. Democrat, not big D, Democrat versus Republican, but democratic, the way of government. How do you get more than one, 10, 50, 100 people to like you enough to want you to lead things? You have to appeal to their, you have to appeal to something in them that is more imminent than the other things. But is it, like, at a certain size, meaning, like, a certain number of people, isn't there going to be a point where that has to be manufactured? One of my favorite, um, was one of my favorite uh, uh, passages in, there's an essay that Thoreau wrote. Um, I want to say that it's his essay on walking. If there are any listeners who are Thoreau heads, you can correct in the comments. But I think the essay is on walking in which uh, Thoreau is talking about, at the time, the telegraph was being developed. Yes. And it was the big thing, right? All of a sudden, instant communication between faraway people. Like, the, I imagine being around when the telegraph was invented and somebody telling you that you are going to be able to communicate with somebody 100 miles away, 200 miles away, 500 miles away. Like, we take that for granted. That had to have been, like, a mental explosion to of people who were used to relying on letters. So, in Thoreau's essay, he writes, and this is, he's writing this as a criticism of the telegraph, but I think it's a larger criticism of the democratic enterprise. Uh, he said he read in a, a newspaper that uh, uh, soon we're all going to be able to speak to each other instantaneously. And he's talking about states. Maine and Texas will be able to talk to each other with no delay. And then in the next sentence he says, but has anybody stopped to ask whether Maine and Texas have anything to talk about? 
the criticism implicit in my in my uh, interpretation of this is at a certain point certain groups of people are not going to have the same interests at heart and so something needs to be manufactured for them to talk about so maybe that is the enterprise that you struck struck upon whatever that was five minutes ago ten minutes ago maybe the political enterprise is the enterprise of convincing people what their one problem is so that enough of them can have the same one problem to get an elected official into office. Scary how you kind of just veered into like, um, what's it called? A conspiracy theory territory where folks kind of have this thought process that the government is trying to maintain a certain level of conflict to kind of keep them around, like to keep the, the need for a government. Yeah, so without getting too far too deep into the idea that I'm going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> happening right now. But like, I want to, I want to say that I don't know how, how sinister and conspiratorial it has to sound, that a a machine, like a, a social machine, that's uh, addicted mm-hmm. to our own money and its own importance, would do whatever it needs to to stay into power, stay in power. But that I don't know that it needs to be crazy level stuff, because. I think it might be as simple as what we're talking about. Politics is a game. People look at it like a game. My team versus your team. Like, it, it has that sense to it. And I don't think that's new. I don't think that's a product of the internet age. I don't think that's a product of the TV age. I don't think it's a product of the radio age. I think you can find it in pamphleteers in the 1700s, 1800s. You can, you can go way back. As soon as somebody was going to be elected, somebody was going to be you know, the worst possible thing you could imagine and irrational. Like, as soon as somebody's elected, then the other guy is, you know, he spends his nights worshipping Satan and turning into frogs or something like that. But, like, that's not serious discourse, but that is the level of discourse that politics brings about. So, I don't know how... uh, I don't know how much credence I would give to... um, you know, people who talk false flag attacks and, and you know, that goes straight to, you know, 9-11 and, and whatever it is. I, I don't know. I know pretty securely that I don't believe that because I think that the machine as it's built was already going to do stuff like that without all the sinister overtones, without, mm-hmm. like, the shadowy guy behind the curtain pulling the lever, you know? Like, it was already... That was the direction that this was already sort of going to go in. But I think that... Um, I think that on the on the more sedate, you know, more um, digestible, palatable side, yes, it is in any elected official's best interest to find the one thing that the most people voting for him will have in common. And if that thing doesn't exist, then some things might need to be elaborated on. I mean, it's not a secret that politicians lie. And I like to, I like the, the I like the. Um, the reason I like the Thoreau quote specifically is because I think it also points to another thinker's ideas. You know, this is how my crazy brain works. Jean-Jacques Thoreau, or Thoreau, Rousseau. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Is it a, you know, coincidence that Rousseau and Thoreau rhyme? I don't know. Just kidding, folks. Not crazy. Bars. <laughs> one was, you know, one was a 19th century American shut-in, and the other was a 18th century French shut-in. So maybe there's that. Uh, Rousseau, who wrote, um, this is where any, uh, history, literary philosophy people are going to kill me. Uh, 
I don't specifically remember offhand what the uh, what 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 the piece was that he wrote. That it's okay, man. I'm not a journalist. It was instrumental. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I typically, <laughs> I'd be in front of a computer and we're talking, and I could sound smarter than I am. But this is what the world looks like without Google, folks. Mm -hmm. uh, but Rousseau is important. Take my word for it. Look it up. You'll find that he is. <clears throat> One of the essays that he wrote that was not important. Again, I like to dig into these back catalogs. He wrote an essay for a contest, I want to say it was, uh, like in Switzerland or something like that, um, in which he writes about the perfect republic. And in his estimation, there is a size cap, like a population cap. Like a republic can't be bigger than X number of people, because beyond that, there is not actually shared interest. And that idea has always been super compelling to me. The idea that there seems to be a lot more genuineness in our municipal politics. I had a friend, another friend to me the other day, he said, uh, I was, we were talking about, um, he lives out in Michigan, uh, and if he's listening, he'll know who he is. We were, we were texting back and forth um, about, uh, I was like, hey, what's going on with Michigan, man? This was before Michigan turned. I was like, get your, you know, get your people together for Biden, what's going on? Uh, and we were having a text conversation about um, how you fix national politics, and he texted back one sentence. He said, all politics are local. And uh, how true is, you know, how true that is depends on how much you pay attention to your local politics, I think. Right? Because a lot of us are trained to watch the president and the Senate. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit less trained to watch Congress. Right? Like, anybody listening, go ahead. I want to jump in right there. This is what we always talk about, and this yeah. is what I want to emphasize like to 100 degrees, especially to the folks out there that will sit there and say, Biden's not going to save us. Yeah. Like, I hear what you're trying to say, and the reason why Biden won't save us is because you won't exercise your civic duty. Mm. If you're not in there, not just for the presidential election, but for every single election, from the top of the chain, which is the president, way down to the dog catcher. Yeah. You need to know what's happening, and you need to be voting for it. Yeah, in this last election, we, we, had, uh, we had somebody who was challenging our register of, of probate here. Mm -hmm. uh, I live in central Massachusetts, uh, and I felt like I wouldn't, it would not be the right thing if I didn't like do a little... I had to do some research. Like, like what does this person do... And why is this person challenging this other person? Turns out there was an interesting story there about, like, you know, one, the guy who was challenging the, the woman uh, who was running, um, he aligned as a Democrat. The woman who was running aligned as a Republican. I'm going to tell you right now that when it comes to civic positions that don't exercise, um, you know, like lawmaking or executive function, I will uh, typically go for an incumbent if things have been running smoothly and there hasn't really been, like, political intrigue or whatever it is mm -hmm. turns out there was a little bit of political intrigue here in my perspective and the guy who was challenging the person was somebody who'd been in there for 30 years working you know uh anyway my interpretation of it my understanding of it might be flawed but i sought to have that understanding and to what you're saying and to what my friend was saying and perhaps what rousseau and thoreau were saying mm -hmm. is it all comes down it all comes down to to your neighborhood and the next neighborhood over and the town, and the next town over, and your county, and then, you know, if, you, if, if your county matters, I know in Massachusetts it doesn't matter as much as it does in New York and all the, you know, all these other places, because, you know, here our county governments have been dismantled, which is, you know, I'm into, but that's all right. Uh, I think it's good, snap. right? Uh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, you go, you go to your, you know, your neighborhood, your, your ward, right? Your voting ward yeah. first, 
who who is representing you, then who's the register of probate, right? Who who's uh, you know who's dealing with the family court issues, right? That's a thing. That's going to affect your neighbor if they're in family court. You know who is running for city council. You know, well, if one person wants to, uh, you know, demolish a church for a dog park and the other person wants to demolish it for a target, maybe it's time for you to talk to people about not demolishing the church if you find it valuable. Maybe you do value the target because you need, you know, uh, goods that are at a lower cost point for your community. Maybe you need the dog park because, park because you don't need that other thing. I don't know. There might not be a right answer overall, but you need to educate You need to know. That. You need to know it all. You need yes. to be aware of what, what it is. Yes. Um... A gentleman I got to talk to last night, uh, former guest, his name was Philip Holland. Um, he said that a lot about how, um, but not so. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, yes, it does. It's not just going to be the presidency that's going to get the uh, the results that people are looking for. It's not just the presidency <laughs> that's going to get people the results they're looking for. Wait, is the mic on? Let's. <laughs> wanted to make sure that we emphasize that but he was saying something along the lines of like you have to be mindful that um you shouldn't you shouldn't have to wait he said for things to affect you or things to actually have have an effect on you before you decide to actively do something about it and like you've just been saying you might know somebody who is affected by the things that are happening in family court mm -hmm. you might know somebody who might be engaged in agricultural issues in 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 town, mm -hmm. and because your absence, or because of your uh, your 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 chosen ignorance, or your chosen like you know inactivity in that realm, this person may like stand to suffer, and you might stand to suffer behind it too, but not to the extent of that person, because it affects that person in a way that it doesn't affect you. You might not you feel like you could do without. You can't have that mentality anymore, especially not in like you saying a cohesive society where we live with each other around each other in a collective society in a collective space where we have to share goods resources and manage these materials in a way that that, that uh that uh, is effective and helpful for everyone right somehow and it's not always gonna you know, i mean there's no we don't want to sell a fairy tale here right mm -hmm. there are gonna be things that don't happen that you want it to happen uh and you're not always gonna be on the majority side of what wants to be done. And, and maybe sometimes your desires are going to be, uh, maybe they're less important than other things that are going on. And you find that out later on mm -hmm. or you don't, and you're just upset. But that, that civic engagement at the local level this is funny. Uh, and this happens in our conversations a lot because I'm going to go all the way around right now. And I'm going to say, because at the beginning, I, we opened up, I was saying that we were talking about what kind of reconciliation might be possible. And uh, I have a suspicion that if there is reconciliation possible, it looks local first. Because we have, we have been drowned in uh, uh, theoretical discourse. Theoretical discourse that, that affects people's bodies. So it's not theoretical in the way it comes down. But theoretical in the way people discuss it. People discuss, you know, they discuss what racism looks like on a large scale or anti-racism looks like on a large scale. People, people discuss what, uh, the, what, you know, the wage gap looks like on a grand scale. People discuss what, um, you know, uh, economic inequity in our country looks like on a grand scale. Um, but what does it look like in your community? 
Like what, like what do these things, how do these things pan out in your community? I could tell you the things that are going on in my town right now about um, police accountability and uh, actually some frustration that we all have with the city council. We all have, we, we progressives have with the city council recently that sort of rubber stamped a thing that went through that could have addressed a larger issue of police response, but didn't, you know, I mean, but, but, but knowing that and knowing how that pans out in your community could, could hold the key to some of the talking going forward. Because I think that the more theoretical our conversations are, the easier it is to hide behind intellect and books and articles and your corner of social media, your echo chamber, my echo chamber. We could argue with each other forever about what we think is right if it doesn't affect either of us uh, or if it doesn't affect one of us, mm. which is important. Like when a person is speaking to you from experience, drop the theoretical nonsense and maybe think about experience. And their experience and your experience rather than hitting their experience back with theory. Last night, that dude, Philip Holland, had me shutting the up because, <laughs> like, I'm like, what am I going to, like, I remember we were getting, we were getting the preliminaries out of the way before we actually started the actual recording. Yeah. And I say, uh, he said, and I say, like, you know, not for nothing, I don't know if you, how much of the show you listen to, but I'm pretty vocal about my, you know what I'm saying, my, my disapproval. Of, of the police. Mm -hmm. I don't want my statement, I don't want my, my, my thoughts or my, my, my views and my perception to influence what you might say tonight. Mm -hmm. And he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, we might not be 100% in unison with what we're talking about, so you don't got to worry about that. But trust me, I, I developed my own, he basically said, like, I, I came to my own conclusions mm -hmm. long before. And, you know, that's why I, I you know, I, I chose to come on the show and use this this platform. I say that to say, kind of like you know, long story short, we got to the to the meat and the bones of it. We were almost identically al aligned with, <laughs> with, with how we felt about things. Did and, that feel? Did that feel affirming to you? Speaking to somebody who had experienced a level of that 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 was new, or you know what I mean, like that that his experiences and your experiences, while similar, are not the same. The initial response for ego was, yeah. "I'm right." Ah, yeah, <laughs> right. Look at me, I'm right. Yeah, that ego loves his loves 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 the rightness. And then as time progressed, I was like, "It's pretty sad that I haven't even remotely gone through something close to what this man has gone through." Yes, and how similar we think about law enforcement. Yeah, and it, that was the most scariest thing. But the idea ultimately was me to concede to his thought, his, yep. my my opinion, my um, my perception and my perspective, are all from my experience, mm -hmm. and my experience is as limited to what I've what I've seen and you know what I've gone through personally and my own like issues that I can recall on account on. Mm -hmm. This gentleman has had a direct experience as a victim of police brutality. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know what I mean? In that regard, I don't know what else there needs to be said. Like his his experience trumps mine. Yes. His his situation trumps mine. So naturally, 
even if he says something even that that wasn't necessarily in agreement with what I thought, even if we did disagree, and he was like, you know, despite everything, I still have faith that the police can do X, Y, and Z. Yep. It would have been like, mm. right, right. I would have been like, I don't agree, yeah. but yeah, I'm not going to speak out I against that. Fight that theoretically, but I don't know how to engage your yeah word. How am I supposed to say that to this man who went through it? Like, yeah. and that's the that's the thought process. Well, and I think it's important. It's important to feel like you can. I, you know, it's, it's, it's so, it's such a complex thing. Like we, we want, there needs to, you know, the impulse to want, if let's say he said that Mm -hmm. the impulse to want to challenge that I think is genuine and, and should also be, uh, tempered. Yes. Explored, but in a tempered way. I mean, Mm -hmm. like you need to know who you're speaking to when you engage and I, but engagement is necessary. Like we can't, we also can't shut down because of experience. But mm-hmm. I think that when you, when we start having some of these conversations at the local level about, you know, like, okay, the role of policing in community. Well, I could speak to the theoretical level about how we should have a society that looks like X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But I should also be able to say, well, what are my, what are the police doing in the town that I live in? And, and how are they, like, what are the mechanisms that hold them accountable or not? And how often do they get, uh, aired out at the, uh, you know, at the community level and in, in, uh, city council? Um, and what things have I or my neighbors called the police about before? Like, these are all bound up in here, uh, that we need to, uh, that we need to be able to look at, um, you know, we need to be able to speak from our own experience we just need to recognize that sometimes our own experience is is a different experience than someone else's, and someone else's is more imminent in most cases. Like there are some things that affect me more than someone else, and there are things that affect someone else more than they affect me. Uh, but you know, the things that we're typically arguing about are not things that affect me. <laughs> um, I think that's a that's an issue, and I'm glad you said that. I think that's an issue that we kind of constantly see, and that's kind of what, for as a black person, like it, it becomes frustrating in so many different ways, and that's what um, our gentleman was speaking to last night. Mr. Holland was speaking to last night is the idea that there are just so many naysayers out there, mm-hmm. so many folks that are poised to kind of just mm-hmm. like you know come mm-hmm. up with reasonings on why negative things have to happen, or or why negative things can happen, or why people right. are responsible for the negative things that happen to them. It's it's, it's just fuck. It's you know language. It's terrible. It's like it's really like it's a horrible concept. This to to basically victim blame or victim shame. Well, you know, there's that e- there's that ego again, and I think that uh, more and more, um, I place this squarely at the feet of the uh, the social media altar personally, mm-hmm. um, but more and more, we are being drawn into the thought that our identity is wrapped up in what we post. And what we consume, um, where that's not necessarily tr- that's not. I don't believe that to be true. Actually, I'm willing to say that on on rolling tape that that's not true. I'm not um, my status from August 2012. No, nor am I even my status from today. I just want you. I don't. I want. I want to entertain you. I want you to like what I'm saying. Frankly, on social media, mm-hmm. um, I want to be genuine, but at the same time, I know that I have an audience and I know who that audience is and I know that audience agrees with me on most things. Guilty. And I'm only going to say some <laughs> things that are really going to frazzle people only a little bit. Uh, but I mean, th- that aside, that's, you know, 
that the we're sold on this idea that that we're the sum total of our uh you know of our 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 thoughts our opinions our perspectives um but a perspective is an image that's what a perspective is it's an image um lived experience is uh is is the most important thing and when you're confronted by somebody who has had an experience that you haven't had it's your it's your job to listen to them I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say that it's your job to listen to them. It's not your job to engage them. It's your job to listen to them. If they want to engage about it, then great. If you want to engage about it, fine. But it's their prerogative whether they want to engage with you about their experience. So to hound a group of people or a person about the experiences that they're saying that they've had, when you have had none of those experiences, uh, is presumptuous uh, because... Uh, you, you know, you're, you're presuming that you hold some truth when you don't have any, uh, when you're, when you've, you've not experienced anything like this. Uh, you, it, it's, it's rude because it's intruding upon another person's selfhood because an experience is more self-creating than a perspective, mm. no matter what social media tells you, right? We are created by the experiences that we have, not by last august's post you know we're, we're <laughs> created by by the things that hurt us we are created by the things that lift us up we are created by the by the things that we choose to do uh and so anytime anytime you try to engage another person about something that's theoretical to you but experiential to them then what you're saying is your perspective has as much value as their experience when that's not the case for yourself. We are not created by our perspectives. We're created by our experiences. So any less, it's no, no less. I, you know, as a, this, I like to use the parent example now in conversation. I am a parent now, have been for three years. And I know there are some people without parents who have some perspectives on parenting. I'm happy to listen to that because that's your perspective. You have whatever experiences you had that have led to that perspective. Mm. I'm going to talk to you about what I understand as a, as a parent. And in the end, uh, I mean, you might agree or disagree with some of the ways that I, that I raised my kid. I would want you to engage me on that. But at the end of the day, I would want you to keep in mind that you're engaging somebody who is day, day after day engaged in the practice of, of raising a child. You know, that this is, this is not theoretical to me. This is, this is a day by day, minute by minute struggle. And, Maybe there is something I'm doing wrong that I want you to tell that, that, that I'm open to hearing. But when you're expressing it, maybe have some regard for the fact that uh, the person you're talking to has more at stake than their ego. Uh, and I think that, I had to learn that. Yeah, actually with uh, my boy, Sean and my boy, Jamal. Yeah. On the show, Jamal and Sean are both great fathers. And um, yeah, I think you're a great dad, too. Oh, just to let you know. Thank you. That being said, um, we had a discussion about like you know how they raise their their kids and how they um, approach their children in certain ways. Um, and I and my my perspective as a guy who doesn't have kids, mind you, was yes. like you got to be mindful that you got to you know let them know that they're black. You got to let them know. Yeah. And they're like, I don't raise my kids like that. And I was just like shocked to kind of hear at from from black men. Yeah. So you know, I just thought about those processes. It was like, yo, like. I know for a fact that I'm trying to promote uh, tolerance if I ever become get yes. blessed and have be a father. So yes. 
Tolerance to me starts with identity and starts with letting them know who they are as an individual in this world and how they're going to be interacted with and how they can interact with or how they're going to end up interacting with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we don't know. Oh, but you know what? I like that, though, because mm -hmm. if you're coming into a conversation, you don't have kids and you have that perspective that that's the value you want to engender. And maybe you have not to use the word engender, uh -oh, but, you know, the, the, the values. Yeah, right. Exactly. That you have values that you want to impart on, a, on, on your child. Now, the initial entry that you just said was how you would do that and that how might look different. But if you're bringing what that value is, if you're bringing the theoretical, mm -hmm. then I can engage you in that theoretical. And I'm happy as a as an equal to engage you in that theoretical as a parent. Like your perspective on what values children should have is on the same footing mm. as an argument that I might have about what values the children should have. How it gets executed is going to be more in my arena because I'm seeing how it's getting executed day by day. Right. But we can talk about that. But right. the starting point is as equals. And I think that's that's another thing that Another, again, complexity. I was lucky that they accepted me as an equal knowing yes. that I didn't have a kid. Yes. And I was appreciative of well, that. Well, that that's because they're reasonable human beings who understand that perspective isn't cheap. It's just not self-creating. I don't want to make give the impression that just because it's not self-creating, it's not valuable. It's and just not self-creating. It's it's It comes from the self. It does not go to creating a self. Right. And they gave me the space to have those disagreements. And at the same time, the argument that they can make and I can vouch for, and which kind of almost, not defeats mine, but again, like you said, it offers that whole concept that just because we're doing different methods to get to the same destination, it doesn't mean that like anybody's method is more valid than the other. Mm. But the argument that, that I can make and they can make without having to make it is that their kids are great. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I met their kids. They're awesome people. And I, you know what I'm saying? Just vicariously through them, I'm like, hey, yo, y'all doing the damn thing. Right. So maybe they might, there might be something to what you're doing. So, you know, but I don't want to go too long. I think this is a nice spot to kind of can, like, like, to kind of can it. I think it's also a good taste of what happens actually in conversation, too. I, I want to, I, I know this is, you know, where, where you wind down, but I want to just plug that idea for a second that we consume things for closure. But the world is never going to be that neat. And so the Woo! opportunity to listen to just to, to be able to, to listen to conversation that is just going and sometimes might be contradictory and sometimes doubles back on itself. That's how we that's how we engage these things as humans. And if we're just looking for closure every time we open up an article or every time we open up a podcast, then we're asking to be uh, indoctrinated. We're not asking to think. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm not going to even mess it up right there. That's a great conclusion. <laughs> so um, I want to thank people who did come in to listen to, uh, or who will listen to this uh, particular recording. Thanks for uh, listening to us on Social Justice: New American Revolution. My name is Mike, and uh, with me today is my brother Pete. Uh, we want to thank you and uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving happy or a happy Thanksgiving. holiday, whatever you celebrate. Yeah, whatever you celebrate. Um, and that um, please be mindful. That um, we live in a world with other people in it. And as much as we might think that we are in the right in certain situations, unfortunately, we might have to concede to a person who either A, has uh, experience in the situation that may yield to more value um, to why we might want to move a certain way. And B, a person who might have a good perspective on something that puts us in a uh, place where we can be both appreciative and understanding and 
kind of careful about how we approach certain situations, especially in a, in a world where we have to coexist together. So uh, thank you very much. And again, happy holidays and take care. Thank you for listening to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for the latest episode. And if you want to be heard, email us at the Podcast at gmail.com.